Welcome to the Eat, Train, Prosper podcast, where we provide you sustainable training principles for strength and building muscle, effective nutrition practices for improving and maintaining a lean physique, and practical lifestyle habits for becoming a champion of your own health, both inside and out. Hosted by Aaron Straker and Brian Borstein. Happy Tuesday, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Eat, Train, Prosper. Today is Brian and myself. And what we're going to have is a little bit of a follow-up episode to two episodes ago. We talked about preparing for your summer shreds. And in doing so, we just find it important anytime we are speaking around something like a calorie deficit where there can be a negative aspect to it, that we frame the conversation a little bit more robustly. So today we are going to cover basically what limits how long you can be in a deficit and some of our ideas around that that may be very beneficial for you in implementing it. Before we jump into the meat and potatoes of today's episode, Brian, what's going on? Yeah, this is the last uh, few hours in San Diego for us. So um, tomorrow morning at circa 5 a.m., we'll be leaving for our road trip, trying to make it all the way to like Moab uh, on the first day, which is going to be like 12 hours with uh, with no stops and probably more like 14 with stops. So um, so big day of driving ahead of us, which uh, also means that today, right after we get off this podcast is my very final training session in San Diego. So um, a little bittersweet. I've, I've, I've kind of began to endear um, being in the commercial gym and kind of absorbing the energy of the people around me. Um, I think that probably that's my favorite part of being in the commercial gym is just that energy that permeates the entire building and um, it almost motivates you to work a little bit harder. Like that idea that someone's watching you, even though nobody is and nobody cares. Right. But like, yo, that fucking swole dude over there, that really hot chick over there, like is totally watching me right now as I do these leg extensions. So, um, so that's been kind of cool and it's been fun. Um, just having a different perspective on things. And of course, I'm going to miss access to some of the, the prime equipment and stuff like that too. But, uh, equally excited to get back home and have access back to all of the things that I have metrics on and diagnostics. And I can see how these five weeks have actually gone as far as, you know, whether strength has been gained or lost or stayed the same or whatever it is. Um, so like I said, a bit bittersweet, but, um, looking forward to my final session today, I have upper body. Oh, and then yesterday, um, I had a really cool pendulum squat, uh, to final to, to, as my final session for quads in, in San Diego. So, um, you know, I have the pendulum at home that I do all the time. So it's not like a pendulum squat is a, a new movement that I'm introducing where you necessarily wouldn't expect a ton of neural or skill adaptations along the way. Um, however, it is a new brand, a different machine. So I think that you would expect there to be some neural adaptations. Um, but either way, I basically started in my first week here in San Diego with four plates on the pendulum and got eight reps and literally almost failed the eighth rep, like came to a grinding stop in the middle and then somehow like pushed my way through. Um, and then this week, you know, five weeks, four and a half weeks later, I, uh, put four plates plus 15 pounds on there and I got eight reps with maybe one RIR. Like it didn't come to a stop in the middle, but it certainly slowed pretty drastically. And so I don't know how much of that is in fact like neural or skill adaptations to the machine. 
uh, versus whether, you know, I actually made some progress while we were here. But um, for sure, I'm up 15 pounds. The effort was equal or slightly less. And then on top of that, I PR'd my sissy squats for the first time in months. Like I've been basically just hitting 45 pounds for nine, 45 pounds for nine, 45 pounds for nine, week after week after week. And then this week I got 10. And um, so that was pretty cool. Like, I don't know if it was just a good day or uh, or what, but increasing pendulum consistently, uh, PRing the sissy squat. It's uh, It was a really solid quality day of training and uh, looking forward to today to do uh, upper body stuff for the final session. You're on mute. Updates from me. Um, I had to deal with the internet of Verizon for a very long time last night and it, it got the best of me. Um, as much, as much as we enjoy the travel lifestyle, I have been increasingly looking forward to the day when I just have a home and I'm not like my, my bullshit meter is getting close to filled with like dealing with internet things and like stopgap solutions and like piecing things together. So that's been hitting me a little bit. Like last night was pretty brutal. Um, but, an, but the positive side is I have been, I've hit this stretch where I am loving working right now. Um, I've worked straight through the past two weekends, um, and have just really, really been enjoying it. I'm feeling super creative and super motivated at, at my positioning in the space and what I'm delivering to my clients. And I'm really just trying to capitalize on as much time as I have, uh, doing that. So that's been a very, very awesome feeling. Uh, I'm loving the standing desk. Uh, I kind of converted cold Turkey. I literally don't even have a chair here. And the only thing that will bother me is like my heels will start to, to get sore towards the, like, I mean, it's nine, 10 at night and I'm still standing here. So that will happen a little bit. And then lastly, with training, I have been really enjoying, like I'm, I'm at this gym that's not well equipped, like not by any stretch of the imagination, but one of the things that I'm really implementing that was a big takeaway from the N1 practical is when Cassim was like, just be creative and explore. And when I, now that I know what I am looking for with like positionings and, and movements, I can just, I'm just getting creative with, with recreating them. Like I don't have a seated row, but there's a cable stack and I'm like, oh, well, if I pull the bench over here and there's this like two by four that I can shove underneath and wedge my feet into, like I can recreate that, um, rear delt row, like perfectly. I just grab my angles, 90 grips, and then I attach them to a straight bar and like, I can set up my angle. I'm like, this is perfect. So it's just like thinking outside the box and, um, using your imagination and the knowledge you have of which position you want to recreate and then what tools you have at your, um, disposal to recreate them. And that's been really, really fun. Um, so that's been sweet, but other than that, um, not too much, just, just enjoying, enjoying another, another opportunity to just continue doing what I do and, and, and making the most out of it. I've been really feeling really, really grateful for that lately. Yeah, totally, man. I love the, uh, the idea of just being creative at the gym. It kind of makes the process fun too. Um, so, so huge fan of that. Um, I have one more quick update too. And, uh, when we started the follow my program program, I, uh, briefly talked about how we would have to do a metabolic phase at some point. And I kind of like was like tongue in cheek, like, Oh, that's, you know, not really looking forward to that one. Well, 
I'm going to do it. Um, starting uh, March 28th, we're going to have a deload week. So next week, um, I have a, a little small mouth surgery thing that's happening next week as well. So that's just perfect for that to be like a deload week for the program. And then starting uh, the following Monday, I think April 4th, we're going to jump into a what I think will be a four-week metabolic phase. Uh, I'm going to do two weeks systemic where it's kind of like circuit style, compound movement type thing, just kind of increasing work capacity uh, systemically. And then the next two weeks after that will probably be the more like local peripheral um, muscle endurance type training. So um, I'll say three to five weeks. I think four is probably going to be the number, but something like that for a metabolic cycle. And um, that is actually going to coordinate with the start of my deficit. So this is one of the things we talked about on the Shreds podcast two episodes ago um, was, you know, starting your diet early and um, kind of getting ahead of the curve there. And that is something that I think I want to do. Um, I thought about it. I ruminated on it. And um, this way, starting the diet essentially in the end of March, early April is going to give me three full months uh, to hit it before I go on vacation for July 4th weekend to Wisconsin. And what I would love is to be able to have the diet completed by that point instead of having to take like a two-week diet break and then jump back into the diet. So um, I think that that actually transitions relatively well into our uh, discussion of what limits how long you can be in a deficit. Because uh, for me, I know that if I'm going three months uh, that's pretty much the end of it unless there's a, a diet break in there. So, um, the decision for me will essentially have to come. If I'm going to put a diet break in there, I almost need to do it before the, the 14 weeks. Like by the time I get to Wisconsin, it will have been 14 weeks. At that point, I don't know if I want to do a diet break and jump back into a diet anyways. So at some point in the middle of those 14 weeks, I'll, I'll make a decision as to, Hey, am I behind schedule? And, I may need that diet break in Wisconsin. Well, then I probably need another diet break at some point earlier on too. So I know for me, like 12 to 14 weeks of dieting without um, a small hiatus in there is just too much. But um, what do you think? What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, what I like is we have a practical example to talk about, right? So the, the first thing I think that limits, not necessarily how long can you, but how long should you, is what is the ambition of your goal, Right. So Brian, I'm going to pose this to you because we have this perfect working example. What is the goal of your diet for this season? Yeah. I mean, so last time I got down to 182, right? And that was pretty lean for me. Um, but I would say that that's about the goal this time too. Um, unfortunately, I don't have the very important data of what I actually weigh at the moment because I haven't had a scale here for five weeks. Um, I've weighed myself post-workout at the gym, but that's, you know, with liquids and food in me and a pump and, and clothes and, and all that stuff. So I think I could render a guess that I'm in the mid to high one nineties. Um, so using that as a, a general starting place, that would mean that I have 16 pounds to lose or something along those lines. And, um, we had the discussion the other day about how, you know, the first five pounds that you lose are really fast and they're not really even fat. So I may only have, 12 pounds of actual fat to lose and like four pounds of glycogen and water and, and food volume and stuff like that. In which case, 12 to 14 weeks probably seems like a reasonable time frame. 
Yeah, I think that's 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 perfect. So it's a it's a really cool uh, it's a talking point because, like you said, those first that first week when you button things up, you're consistent. You're gonna drop the most weight that week, and like I said, weight not necessarily fat. And then from there, you're like, hey, right uh, about a half a percent to one percent, right? Even on 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 average, on either end, ends up being around a pound or so. And then you have like I have twelve weeks for that. So I think that is a very it's a it's an easy frame up and it makes sense with the ambition of hey this is about how lean i was last time assuming that you may have slightly more ever so slightly more tissue or you do a better job at maintaining the tissue that you have as you diet that's about my ballpark again and it's a really really easy plan so i think for that like 12 weeks and that's to get really lean but let's face it Brian like you're already lean you're probably 12, 13% body fat, 14, maybe. I don't know. I feel like 15, maybe it's, it's just like, I guess the way you define what body fat percentages are. And like, you know, you always have to remember that people with a lot of muscle can make higher body fat percentages look good still. Um, so I think with my body fat, it's always ambiguous and difficult to tell because I hold most of that fat in my glutes and legs, which you don't always see. Um, and so I can have that six pack and like still have some lines in my delts and stuff when I believe I'm probably at 15% body fat. So um, if I were to have to render a guess right now, I would say 15 uh, is is my guess, but um, I could be wrong on that. I don't know. You know. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. It is interesting. Um, I'm the complete opposite, right? I will hold mine in that um, more Android region in my stomach. Uh, like I'm well, I'm like in like 196, 197 right now, fasted in the morning. Like when I'm training legs, I still have like veins all through my quads and stuff like that, but my abs are not there. <laughs> yeah. I don't do I don't have veins in my quads at, at 182 pounds, even like they look more diced obviously and, and stri uh, separated between the musculature, but, uh, but I, yeah, I don't have any veins or anything like that. So like for me, I have an ab vein at, you know, 12% body fat but I don't have any quad veins at 8% body fat. <laughs> yes. And it's the complete opposite for me. Like I have to be dumb lean before I get like actually decent abs and stuff. So it's interesting. Like it's where you're going, we're all going to have differences in that. And that's going to come back to like, um, one male versus female, right? Fat storage pattern, hormone, um, pattern, patterning, uh, and then also just individual very, uh, variation too. So, kind of jumping back on track, right? With, with how long you can be in the deficit, the ambition of your goal is the first one, right? Uh, that's obviously going to the more ambitious you are, the longer it will go. Secondly, how far are you from that goal, right? That's a really, really big one. Um, you can have not a very, and by the ambition of your goal, I really mean how lean do you want to be, right? Like an 8% body fat, for a male, right? We're speaking in terms of males uh, on on this show. It's going to be a longer attempt just because it takes more to get to those lower body fat percentages. If your goal is fifteen percent, I wouldn't consider this like very overly ambitious, unless your starting point is like maybe thirty percent or something like that. Like I was just having this conversation with a client earlier the, this morning before we, we recorded the show and mapping out realistically how far away and how long that might take us. So ambition being the first one. Second being proximity from your goal. The because in the earlier 
weeks, right? Or when you have a larger, when you're starting at a larger body fat percentage, you can lose more with a more body fat with less risk of catabolizing your lean body mass. As you start at a leaner body weight, that risk, let's call it a risk for sure, of catabolizing lean body mass as a fuel substrate goes up. It's just the the nature of the beast, right? You can't uh, completely... Uh, we, there's, there's some strategies you can use, which we've covered in different episodes, but it's it's wishful thinking to to say i'm going to maintain all, you know 100% of my lean body mass as i diet so that's a second big thing anything you want to add onto that one brian no i think that that's definitely the the point about how lean uh you're going to get is ultimately the biggest thing because we we know that as you get closer to that goal that the percentage of weight loss that you can do week to week without feeling the compromising effects is going to decrease. And I talked about my own personal example, I think on the last two episodes as well, uh, two episodes ago where I referenced that, you know, the first 10 pounds went off in like six weeks. And then the last 10 weeks, I lost six pounds. So it like completely flip-flopped and reversed. And that's just because it gets harder. You have to be uh, so much more adherent. Um, You have to be more uncomfortable and, uh, and you just have less overall fat to lose. So, um, so definitely that goal is super important. And so for me going from like 15 to eight would be way different than me going from like 20 to 12 or something along those lines. Exactly. Uh, the next part that I wanted to talk about is where, like where in your priority of, of life does this come into play? Right. Because the longer it goes, the more of a priority it kind of needs to be because in order to continue to facilitate fat loss in the later stages, it requires you to run a tighter ship. So example being, if you are a, let's use Brian example, right? So, I mean, we've talked about this before that's been, we've had the conversation and you've kind of brought it up or, Hey, you're a family man, right? And it's like, does attaining these leaner body compositions and me having to further restrict what might be like a date night or a vacation or something like that, like, is there an added benefit there? And obviously that trade-off is going to be different for every single person, but the, where you find that answer and is this just impacting me? Is this now beginning to impact like my, you know, my relationship with my wife or, or husband or children that comes into play as well. So if you are a fortunate enough to be a, a, a lone wolf like myself per se, I can diet for pretty much as long as I want. It doesn't really impact anyone else. Cause there's no direct, like, you know, dependencies on me or there's no one who's like, Aaron, you know, but I want to go get pizza this weekend or whatever. Like, it's just me. So where I can diet for like, 20 weeks if I wanted to, because it's literally just me that there's no other responsibilities for me to handle or for me to take over for anyone else. You may not find yourself in that. I would say, let's call it a luxury. And it's important to realize like your wife, your husband probably doesn't care if you go from like 10% body fat to 7% body fat, but they probably do care the extra, you know, seven eight weeks that might take and what that means for like date night, flexibility, hanging out with friends type of thing. And that one's a really, really important um, conversation to have with those people that are important in your life. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I kind of equate that of like you being, you know, untied to children and family as much to like doing the diet without a timeline. Because if you just know that it's an open-ended period where you you can kind of have these moments of, of more freedom, then it, it makes the experience a little bit more like it may be for you where there's less pressures and things like that because the occasional going out and things like that doesn't feel like as much of a um, a break from protocol, so to speak. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's for sure something you have to account for. And it also becomes harder as the diet goes on to fit those calories in. Like for me in the beginning of a diet, especially coming from California right now where I've been eating out a lot and like putting a lot of, you know, unknown oils into my body and things like that. Um, I literally should be able to lose weight for a number of weeks going forward, even continuing to go out to eat once a week because that's less than four times a week. Um, so it's kind of relative to, to where you're coming from with that stuff too. Um, but for sure, like the way that I personally deal with the idea of going out and being a family man during these times is that it's just using the skills that we have taught here on the podcast and that we've learned ourselves in that, you know, you can balance calories throughout the week and it's not a day to day thing where, oh no, I went over today. I'm, my diet is totally screwed up. It's just like, Hey, you plan for that. And you know, if you have a date night on Friday night, that Monday through Thursday, maybe you cut 200 calories off of each day. So you, you have an extra 800 to eat on Friday. And now you have a refeed day and the diet continues and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, maybe you even have like a squat session the day after the refeed and you know, you put it to good use. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But one thing that, that I will add on, onto the back of that for myself, because it's, I'll obviously share things around like, you know, my own periodization and stuff like that on Instagram, but this is, this is my job. You know what I mean? So for me, I can internalize things different because, uh, I, for me, and just being fully transparent, it's very important to me that I coach from a place of experience, right? So if I have a client that wants to get to like 7% body fat, and I've never been to 7% body fat, I understand the theory, but I don't understand the application. I don't have conviction in the application because I haven't been there yet. So for me, there's this blend of like professional and personal type type things where it might be like, yeah, like when I, when I wrapped up my diet last year, like I didn't really care to get any leaner. And that's why I stopped because there's just no benefit for me. But then if there's a point where like, let's say eventually I start taking a clientele who want to get on stage, right? That's that last, like, okay, last, last diet, I was 8.2 on a DEXA going from 8.2 to five is a whole new beast. And for me, like I would be like, well, I'm, I'm compartmentalizing. This is like a three month, you know, investment in my coaching experience and business to go through this myself so that I understand its implications on, um, um, sex hormones, right. And the conversations you have to have with your partner on why you have zero interest in, you know, having, having sex because you're so lean and you've been dieting for the last like nine months, this type of thing. Uh, and all these other things that kind of come out of that. So when you are looking at things that other people are doing or their durations, it's important to understand their specific contexts and they may have reasons that are different for yours. So that's another big part that, to look into there. Yep. When, uh, when you're working with a client, what kind of tools do you use to assess their level of metabolic adaptation that's occurring throughout the deficit? 
So what I will do is I will never get, I don't want to say never because I don't like speaking in absolutes. It is incredibly (laughs) rare that I will have a client start with a, with a, with a periodization of a calorie deficit, right? So one thing that I've really moved to is like a prove to me type of thing, like prove to me, you can thrive at maintenance, prove to me that you have, um, that you can sustain your body weight on a high level of maintenance calories because like any coach who's gone through their, their paces, I've been down that road before. And I've had clients who we failed to get through fat loss periodizations because there was a bunch of red flags going off. Um, and I just didn't have enough experience to read them. So, uh, it still is interesting. Like once you work with enough clients, you start to notice patterns and you'll have like two clients, right. Who are within one to two inches of each other within a handful of pounds of each other, one is losing, you know, uh, between that point, like half a percent to 1% total, um, body mass. I messed up my words there, but whatever you guys get what I'm saying. You're within that, 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 um, those bounds that we explained earlier at 2,400 calories, right? That's that next client who has the same amount of, you know, weight, approximate same body fat percentage. They're training roughly the same. He needs to be at 1,900. Right. So there are these big gaps between people and that's where things start going off. Like that's why now that's why I get, I want blood work out of my clients because I want to be able to, um, spot these things before we even attempt a a fat loss phase. Cause there's no point in going through it. If we, if we know that it's going to be an uphill battle, if testosterone's already super low, if they are showing, um, signs of like, um, adrenal insufficiency or something like that, like success leaves clues and, uh, as does failure as well. And then it's, as you spend enough time and, and you're fortunate enough to have enough clientele to begin looking at trends, you can then explain to them like, Hey, I've been down this road before. These are our options, you know? Uh, and it's one of those things it's yeah, there, there's a lot there. Uh, and you just have to look at all the clues and put together the pieces really. Yeah. So, but does, does when someone spends this time at maintenance with you, does that give you a sense of how adaptive their metabolism is? Cause wouldn't that more be a reflection of whether they're gaining weight, losing weight at different calorie amounts, right? Yeah. So people with the like most adaptive, I should say, is you will continuously keep feeding them, right? And their weight is staying the same. Um, and you have to reduce different things. Like I have a client right now. I had to tell him like, listen, you need to stop walking. Like your step count is just too high or else we're just going to have to keep putting food in you. But like eventually our digestion and stuff is going to tank, right? We can only put so many carbohydrates in you before it starts to become a problem for digestion. Like it's easier for you just to get less steps (laughs) than for me to continue feeding you. I mean, we're already, I think this client, we're at like a 24 X body weight multiplier and we're only averaging like 0.8 0.8 pound, you know, uh, a, a week on average. And it's, it's not, yeah. And he's lean too. So I'm like, listen, dude, you just got to stop fucking walking so much. That's a huge um, multiplier. Yeah. It's absurd. Uh, so it's really, really interesting. Like the adaptive, um, uh, uh metabolism, it, it, it's, it's going to vary person to person generally. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So would, with that person who is eating that many calories, using him as the avatar, like would you, because it's so adaptive going up, 
would you then expect it to be just as adaptive going down? So maybe this dude now has to diet on like an absurdly low amount of calories or like how, what kind of clues do we find to be able to figure that out? The clues for those, that's going to be very person to person. Um, the, so it is a possibility. However, the upside is when you've spent the last nine, 10 months eating an absurd amount of food, you are in a very, very leveraged position to then start a calorie deficit because you know, I mean, I mean, you can know, or, or you can assume, but like I, we, this, that exact client, we literally just grabbed labs last week. Everything looks great, right? Like hormones are fantastic. Thyroid is absolutely fantastic. There are zero red flags. So when he is ready, we know that things are, or when he does want to change his goals or whatever, like we know he's in a good spot. Um, the people, the clientele who, whose weight is stable on a, what would be considered like a low estimation of their maintenance calories. Those are the ones that those are where you have to really be trepidatious in your approach because, um, like metabolic resiliency isn't there. Those are the people who like, um, their weight fluctuates wildly after like a meal or two out on the weekend, they're up five or six pounds come Monday, that sort of thing. Like those are the the clues that I'm talking about. And you're like, you know, with those calorie deficits, you want to be really, really cognizant and have that clear communication with them of like, Hey, now that we're dieting, like we want to tighten the ship because the last thing, and this is really the, the part of the reason I wanted to have this, this episode is once you get into that, those waters considered like you're fucking around like, Oh, I'm at a calorie deficit, but like my weight's not changing. I'm not losing fat. Like now you're just underfeeding yourself. And when you get in that cycle, you're just kind of digging that hole whatever, whatever the reasons of why you have that hole of why the deficit isn't quite working as well for you. You're just digging that hole deeper. You're just like, you know, um, uh, burning time type of deal. So with those clients, it's important to frame that as like, Hey, we've just reversed and we were, things are in a good, a better spot now, but we want to be really cognizant of like digestion. Um, now is not the time to be super flexible with your, you know, lifestyle type thing. Like, Let's get in, let's get our fat loss and let's get the hell out. And those clients may need a few iterations of like your nutritional periodization loops to really get themselves into like a more, much more like resilient metabolic position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess when you're looking at the different avatars of metabolic adaptation, like you have that guy who, you know, he can eat a lot of food on the higher end and we don't exactly know yet but you could suspect that he won't be super adaptive on the way down. Like he'll still get a decent amount of calories. I guess on the flip side of that, you have the person that is super adaptive going down and has to like diet on super low calories and then is not as adaptive going up. And they don't even get to eat that many calories when they're, when they're bulking, so to speak, which um, that's quite unfortunate, I think. Yeah. It's like they can, they're, Bulk happens more easily, which is like a slippery yeah. slope because you don't want to put weight on too fast because we just right. busted our ass to, to have it come off type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So in regards to this idea of how long you can be in a deficit, like we can look at, you know, the godfather, Jeff Alberts, as an example of somebody that has gone through multiple diets, uh, contest preps where he's done it over the course of a year. And of course there have been like, you know, a couple diet breaks and there's been refeed days and, and stuff like that. But, um, I know we've mentioned this on the podcast way long ago, but since we haven't addressed it, 
in a number of months, maybe even six months here. What what are your thoughts on kind of that idea as it applies? I don't think anyone that isn't getting on stage would would apply that to like their life and be like, I'm just going to diet for the next year. But maybe somebody would extrapolate that out and like, you know, I'd rather diet over six months and take three diet breaks for two weeks each than try to do that diet in three or four months, you know? Um, so what about the applicability or your thoughts on that approach um, versus uh, a more like directed approach where there's less kind of uh, flip-flopping of the, the diet breaking and stuff like that. Yeah. What I would say is, does this six month diet stand to dramatically improve your health, right? If we're talking around a five foot 10 to six foot male, who's starting at 280 pounds at 35% body fat, a six month outlook of a diet to maybe a, to, and their goal is to get to 18% body fat will dramatically improve their health. In that context, yes, six months of dieting, dieting, right? Calorie deficit, but it's for the outlook of dramatically improving your health and biology as, as a human being. Yes, that is a fantastic approach. If you think that you need six months of dieting because when you go to the beach in June that the girls are going to want you, I, I, got, <laughs> I got news for you. <laughs> they don't They don't give a fuck. <laughs> so in that case, it's probably going to detract more from your life. Uh, but with that, when you don't have as much of a gap to close with the deficit, it becomes hard to discern your progress well, right? If, if you're, if you're only losing 15 pounds, right? Let's say that. And you, and you extrapolate that over six months and you're taking like multiple like weeks, like three weeks in a row of a diet break. Now it's been, let's say six weeks. You're sure four, four or five weeks, even the, the Delta between the, the start and end, like it's really not much and you're kind of getting into like what i call that like fucking around period where it would be beneficial to like either return calories to maintenance like deliberately or choose a shorter timeline um where you won't have like vacations you know uh trips plans sort of thing yeah, yeah i like that i was also thinking about this on like a personal level as far as like if i were to ever take it to stage like what would be the the approach that i would implement and i don't think i would ever get to the point where i was large enough to warrant like a year-long diet kind of like jeff was doing you know i think he started at something like 210 and got to 170 so he was like 40 pounds over the course of a year um, but i do think that the way i probably would approach it would be to take like three or four months and get down to like 180 ish and then take like a month ish and build back up and above maintenance, maybe maintenance or a maintenance and a little higher just to potentially get out of that deficit and put out the fire maybe so to speak. And then take like a, another three or four months and get from that like 185 to 170 or whatever the number is where I would need to be on stage. And so at that point, you're looking at like three or four months plus a month diet break and then another three or four months. And that could be eight or nine months, you know? So um, that's kind of how I look at it for myself, but that's certainly a lot of time of being on fire. Yeah. And that's, 
It's a, but the, the, the ambition is huge, right? It's natural bodybuilding, which is you need to be stupid lean and you don't have any of the help of exogenous hormone replacement that keeps your muscle mass or even increases your muscle mass as you go in, right? So it's, that is, it's an, ex, I mean, I don't know if extreme is a great term to use, but it, it is a, it is a unicorn use case, right? That many people will never find themselves in. In for me with that approach, what I think what I would do is, at that starting point, DEXA scan, right? And obviously like it would be, I wouldn't recommend living my lifestyle where you're getting DEXA scans at different places. Like you go back to the same place and your reports are there. DEXA scan when you start, you diet for 12 weeks. Okay. How much lean body mass have I lost between day, my start DEXA and nest DEXA? I'm going to spend six weeks trying to only put on enough weight to reclaim all of that lean body mass. And now I've reclaimed it, but I have six, seven pounds less fat. Great. I have all of my gains, less of my fat, and then use that iterative approach because like with natural bodybuilding, and now I'm speaking outside of where I feel very convicted in my uh, views because I have no experience doing it. The, the best natural bodybuilders right on stage are able to maintain as more lean body mass as they diet. Because like at the, in the, in the, then the later stages of it, once like as a natural, like you, once you cross like a certain threshold of leanness, you start sacrificing a decent, a bit of, of lean body mass to further facilitate those lower numbers of, um, body fat percentage. So the better you can maintain as you get to that, maintain the, 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 the gains you already had made. That's really, really good. Yeah. I feel like uh, the last thing to I have on this is to speculate on this idea that you brought up earlier of, you know, an advanced athlete that's dieting down. Like if I get back to 182, would you feel more confident estimating or guessing that my 182 looks better because I put more muscle on during my gaining phase or that I got better at dieting and have a little more muscle at 182 because I lost less muscle on the way down, right? So they're basically the same thing. And at an advanced level, it could be fucking half a pound of each, you know? Um, but anyway, do you have any thoughts on speculating on that? Or is it just that, like a speculation and a guess at best? Yeah, what my like my ego and, and what I want to be true is the former, right? No, dude, you just put more bot. You just got more Jack than you were last year. But like <laughs> yeah. the, like the, the pragmatic in me is like, nah, you probably just got a little bit refined your dieting, um, um, expertise, right. Or precision in, and we're able to maintain more of it, um, mm-hmm. as you dieted realistically, I think it's a combination of both. Right. And I, and you know, we're like, we're splitting hairs here, but like I still, like I'm still getting better, right? Like I'm, I'm like, I'm the best I've ever looked at 196 now. Like I, when I diet down the weight, the numbers stay about the same. I mean, they don't really don't change much, but I'm like, I didn't have these veins when I was here last year type right. of thing. Like, right. okay, I'm, you know, I'd never had veins in my legs until like last year. <laughs> so, and now I have them in the 196s where like the first time I dieted down to like the 190, I didn't have them. So like, okay, well doing, I'm figuring something out. It's just over like from, from an absolute standpoint, those differences are marginal, but from a relative standpoint, the differences are noticeable. Um, 
I think, I think I got think, that right. I might have fucked that up. But yeah. I think no, no. <laughs> I, I, know, I know what you mean. <laughs> Do you think that part of the increased vascularity could be related to just aging processes of like, you know, skin thinning and veins moving closer to the surface? And and I'm not trying to, to just say this to, to be contrary, but it's something that I was thinking about literally just the other day. So it's really funny that you brought it up, but I was walking around and, you know, non-workout situation, just hanging out at the beach with the kids. And I've been eating, you know, plenty, but I noticed that I had a cross vein in my bicep. Like I always have the one that goes up the, the vertical, but I usually have to get quite lean to see the cross vein. And I was just hanging out and realized, oh my God, like it's there. And it's not just like kind of there. It's like really there. And so my first thought was what you said to be like, fuck yeah, I've put muscle on, you know, like absolutely. Like my biceps have grown type thing. Um, and then I kind of thought about it, reflected on it and tried to, to look at it from the, the other side. And I was like, maybe it's like the skin is thinning. You're getting older. The veins are being pushed more to the surface. Like I, I don't know these things, you know, but. I don't, I don't have an opinion on that. Right? And I think we'll have to have someone on, maybe we'll bring on like, yeah. a, like, a, like Nuno or something like that, who <laughs> knows that, you know, and can speak to it. Yeah. But I just, I mean, to me with mine, it's like my legs. Right. And I'm like, I've finally, after years of years of trying, like I finally learned how to train quads, you know, properly, properly. And it, cause it's like a, always a moving target, but like they are way better than they used to be in this is where it kind of, it it gets hard to discern because then we'll have like conversations with like Dave McConey, right? And he's like, well, tell me what the numbers are. And they don't really change that much. And we kind of know, but it's like the last time I measured my quad at when I was like 15% body fat, now I'm at 10, like they're going to be smaller to some degree because I have less fat in them too. So when you're taking measurements, it's important there you need to bring in the context of your body fat percentage at those or body weight as well yeah, like me at 195 compared to me at 195 type thing um yeah but yeah he always wants that concrete data and i'm just like i'm like dude i don't <laughs> i don't have it you know so mm -hmm. so yeah i mean like for me the comparison is the pictures under the same lighting from the prior year compared to the pictures under the same lighting from this year but like to his point you know it's not the exact same. Like there are differences potentially in like, like even if I'm a half hour off and the sun is in like a different place in the sky or something along those lines, like that can change the way it lo it looks. So, um, yeah, it's just super ambiguous. Yeah. And, but I mean, that is why as I, I, cause I, I, my, my biggest fear, the biggest thing that I never want is to be like a, like a charlatan or someone who's just like, well, this is what I think. And it, it's this way, believe, you know, believe me type thing. I want to be able to have backup data. I'm like, okay, this is, and that's why whenever I, I'll make posts, they'll be like, this is what I did with my DEXA, right? They're always at 9am. They're always fasted. Uh, I always take the day off training, you know, before I just try and minimize my, my variables because I don't want to be promoting bad information because one thing is it's hard when it's yourself because you have an emotional investment into the outcome, right? If I go in to get a DEXA scan and it tells me I have, I put on muscle and I'm leaner, right? I am emotionally invested in the positivity of that outcome. Of course I want it, but it's, I do try and do my best to be like, okay, well, I don't want to like promote, you know, misinformation. Am I checking? Am I crossing my T's and dotting my I's here? Did I do my due diligence in preparing or preparing or did I, 
load more glycogen the night before. So it's like really important for me. So that's where like the, the data thing is I'm, I've gotten a lot better at, at collecting it for those reasons specifically. And kind of earlier in the podcast, when I talked about how I'm like, as much as I, the, the travel lifestyle is fun, I'm really excited for when we settle down is because I can, I'm going to go to that fucking DEXA scan place every three months <laughs> and just fucking stack data, you know, and, and get labs yeah, and stuff yeah. in it. I'll be very excited. Um, just to even further uh, refine my own uh, bro scientist methodologies. Yeah, buddy. I'm going to um, try and find the time to go get a DEXA next week when I'm on my deload week before my diet starts or right when my diet starts and do a DEXA then and then try to do the blood work as well and have those comparisons pre and post and yeah. see how it goes. So. If you do them on the same day, DEXA first, then blood work. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember that because you lost muscle in one limb because no, it took like, blood out of it. It was like two yeah. pounds less than the other one. Like, oh, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. All right, Bree, anything else you want to add on to this one? Nope. Fantastic. As always, guys, I hope this was a fun and informative episode. Any follow-up questions you have for Brian or I? please send them over to us on Instagram. And then lastly, uh, if this has been something that you find valuable, uh, please share it with your friends, um, family even, or anyone you think that would benefit. And then Brian and I don't ask for this often because personally, I hate when people do it. So I try not to. Uh, But if you have the time and would like to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, we would love an honest review of how we are doing and if you are enjoying it. So with that, guys, thank you for listening. As always, Brian and I will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Eat, Train, Prosper. If you found this episode valuable, please subscribe or share us with your friends. You can find more from Aaron at strakernutritionco.com and more from Brian at evolvedtrainingsystems.com. Talk to you guys next time.